This is a Bold Babes podcast. Why did I create the Bold Babe show? Honestly, because I was tired of hearing underdog stories from top dogs. You know, there's so much inspiration to be found when we just turn and look to the woman that's next door to us. The woman that is making impact in her local community. The woman that is fighting for the people in her hometown. I wanted to highlight those stories because honestly, they deserve to be told. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of The Bold Babe Show. And I am sitting next to a woman who is just, I love her energy. She is so bright, pun intended. (laughs) And um, she's just so sparkly. And I love the way that she shows up in the world. I have been watching her lives for a while now. And I actually met her through another friend in business. And I'm really, really excited for her to tell you more about herself and her business in her own words. So without further ado. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, So my name is Ashley Bright and I am here in Dallas and my business is called Kitchworks. For many of you women out there in business, you know sometimes things evolve and my business has definitely evolved. I started off with meal planning and prepping. Realized there was more to it than that. I realized that in order to be healthy, you need more than just some good food. And I love good food all of the time and a good glass of wine. It's good for the heart. Red wine's good for the heart. Um, but I realized it, it comes full circle with exercise, mental clarity, Um, So I included those into my business and I started a community called the Kitsch Squad and that's what the community is called and it is to help women like inspire to live their healthiest life. So that is what my main goal is and we do that through still the meal prepping and planning. Um, I'm a certified yoga instructor so through yoga women's wellness and holistic medicine because I think there's a lot of natural things out there we don't address first 100% you know let support going to the doctor but there's things we can do at home to just create a better well-being all the way around so got the community and that's where the women and I get together we train we do challenges and we get to know each other um, in that space I kind of want to understand why you got into the wellness industry to be a practitioner in this area is just I feel like it's difficult so what inspired you to live a more healthier life and to share that with others First of all, I was broke. So eating out all the time, I had just bought my house, uh, was not practical. And so I started bringing my meals to work. And one of the girls that I worked with, we would kind of like tag team. I would bring breakfast for the week. She would bring lunches for the week, vice versa. And that's how it kind of got started. And I was like, well, wait a second. If we're doing this because we need it, other people must be too. And I started feeling better. I started losing some weight. Um, And then I realized like I still kind of like I plateaued. And then I'm like, okay, well, what's next? I've been a practitioner of yoga for about nine, nine years then and decided to go back and get my um, teaching certification. And that's when I realized it's all personal experience. Like I felt better. And I was like, okay, if I eat better and I'm doing good things for my body and for my mind, like it started to come full circle for me. And then I'm like, hmm wait a second, it's coming full circle for me. Like who else can I help have them make that connection? So that's kind of how I got into it. I was not active as a kid. I like hated working out, didn't eat great. I mean, we were, we were poor growing up. So like we, you know, did we on the bare minimum, I have now a very expensive palate because I like really healthy, good things. 
but it all came from experience. Um, no way in any shape or form did I think I'd end up in the wellness industry. I was a history major in college, but through life experience, I just kind of ended up here. And I think that's the best part about it is if you would have asked me seven years ago, this is where I would be. I would have laughed at you. Um, so it's been an interesting journey. There's one thing that I kind of want to circle back to, and it's your life experience, especially your experience in adolescence. How did you start to feel comfortable with spending so much money on food? It kind of developed over time. I mean, I in my early 20s, I dated and got um, exposure to the finer things in life and decided that like I like to eat this way. And I'm going to do it. And that did come with some sacrifice. I mean, that's not, nothing comes without giving something up. So I just decided that like, I'm going to spend my money on food and like, this is the budget. I, I still budget it. Like, so let's make sure that like, that's a big, big thing. It's like, I still grew up poor, but I knew how much I had to spend. So I still budgeted like what I was going to spend on the month on food, but I just made better choices. I ate out less. I didn't go shopping as often and like get all the fun things that I wanted. And then you start to realize too, as you grow up and like you get into that later stage in life the material stuff doesn't matter like if your body feels good that's kind of like what make what makes it so yeah I mean a lot of it was just like still budgeting coming from a poor family like we always budgeted so that has always stuck with me you just enlarge the budget for the things that were important and that became food so important because especially when we're talking about health the number one pushback that I hear is it's too expensive to do this it's mm-hmm something that I can't afford. It totally is a mind, mindset shift. Uh, when you're working with your clients, is this a challenge that they face as well? It is. And a lot of it's priorities. Um, it's a it's a tough conversation. A lot of times people don't want to hear it, right? It's giving up maybe getting your nails done every month. It's maybe giving up your some of your subscriptions. I mean, because you start to think about it, you look at your budget and like really the crap we spend money on. Like we have generally most of us have the um, capability of spending a little bit more on food to take care of yourself, but you have to rewire your brain. So it's kind of that ugly conversation of like coming to reality and making sure it's important. And for some people and some some clients have gone the other direction because they just don't find it to be a priority. And that's that is okay. Um, But yeah, it's having that conversation about readjusting what your priorities are with my clients in order to make sure that like they have a good understanding of why they're working with me and why they're doing these things. Okay. So speaking of challenges, I kind of want to know the challenges that you yourself have faced, not only in this industry, but building a business in it as well. I have fallen flat on my face so many times. I had started actually a few years ago with like Amazon stuff, thought it was really interesting. And I totally got swindled and spent thousands of dollars and lost it all trying to figure it out this whole business thing because I do not want to work for corporate America the rest of my life Um, until I get all that straightened out because we all fail and sometimes it's not pretty I'm still doing my regular day job and coaching and working with women on the side so it's definitely been difficult it was kind of a blow to the face and it's like well maybe I just shouldn't do this anymore but there's that little inkling like deep down inside of you that says, nope, get up and try it again. Get up and try it again. And 
you have good friends that are in business, like the one that we have. And she's like, well, why, why would you give up? And I was like, darn it. Like, you're so right. Like, why am I even thinking about giving up? Because when you strive for something, like you just keep doing it. And, but it's been hard. It's getting clients. It's figuring out social media. It's how much do I spend on marketing? There's so many things, so many programs, so many podcasts, so many trainings that you could take. You could eat up all your time doing that. And that was my biggest challenge in the beginning. I did that. I was trying to soak up all this information because I love to learn. But then I like couldn't figure out a way to implement it because there was just too much in my brain. I think that definitely when you start your business, even if you went to business school, there's still so much to learn and you can definitely get caught up in that learning kind of area. So what was the thing that made you just launch? Yeah, it was giving myself probably a good like look in the mirror and was like, you need to get your butt to business. And it was a conversation I had with myself and I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm not, I told myself no more trainings, no more nothing until I take the stuff that I have and implement it. Once you start doing, and once you start seeing, even if it's a small result, it's not making thousands of dollars in the first month. Like that's not like a reality for most people. It starts off really small, but just doing those little milestones. Okay, great. I got my website up. I got my community up. And I think the biggest thing for me, and it goes back to challenges, is actually just putting yourself out there in front of people saying, Hey guys, I have this program reaching out to friends and family, going to like different businesses and being like, Hey, I offer this. I think it can benefit you. And just making yourself really vulnerable is when you're going to start to like pick, see progress. I want to know what has changed about you in this process. Oh, lots of things. I feel more balanced. And I think again, like that, I took some time and dove into like my meditation practice and that's helped me in my business a lot. Just kind of be It allowed me to be clearer with myself and clearer with what my goals and expectations were. I'm not as all over the place anymore. I think I've just, I've grown immensely age. Like you mature a little bit more, you have a better understanding. And I think it was just diving into just what I was preaching and like taking it a step further. And that helped me get to the point where I am. Because in the beginning, I was very jumbled, didn't know what to do. And in time, and after I told myself no more courses and learning, Not that that's a bad thing. You should always continue to learn. But once I implemented stuff and like kind of got going, that's when I noticed the biggest shift in myself. We want to fund you. We have developed a podcast network to cater to our community of ambitious young women between the ages of 21 and 35. And we're searching for unique shows to develop for our channel, Bold Babes Radio. No podcast editing, music licensing, or sponsorship negotiation required. Just raw talent and an established social presence. If you have a story to tell, love empowering millennial women, and want to partner with a brand on the rise, email your pitch to podcastdirector at bullbabes.co. Again, that's podcastdirector at bullbabes.co. I kind of want to focus a little bit on the city that we're in because you aren't a Dallas native and most of the women nope. that I have, I'm not a Dallas native either. <laughs> and although we, we kind of get a little bit of slack mm-hmm. for that, if you're from Texas, you understand. Or if you visited Texas and you're not from Texas, moved here, not from Texas, you understand what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, for sure. Texans are intense, y'all. <laughs> They're super intense. Oh my God, they are. But I, I got a little bit of Texas in me because obviously I say y'all. 
that was one of the first things I picked up too was y'all and I I go home and like my friends are all what what did you say and it was just one of those easy terms I picked up and I do that is one thing I do I've picked up as a Texan how was that process and why exactly did you choose to move here um, I was 23 when I came to Dallas. My mom was working for AT&T at the time. She got a letter saying either you're going to move or lose your job. We were both born, raised the Bay Area of California. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. You go to Dallas. See you later. Well, I would soon find out that the bank I was working for was liquidating the position I had throughout the whole region. So I would not have anywhere to go and transferring would be hard. This was 2012. So we were coming out of just that like real estate mess. Prices were going through the roof. And I said, I can't afford to stay here. I looked at my mom. Poor thing had refinanced our house so I could try to afford it. I said, I'm going to Dallas. You put my stuff in the moving truck. So we did. And um, I was still riding horses at the time. So this was a sight to see. My best friend drove out with us. She was a preschool teacher and had time off. Uh, But it was me, my mom, the moving truck had gone ahead, but we've got the horse, the dogs, and all this stuff. And we took four days and we trekked out to Dallas. And it's been an interesting experience. I knew nobody when I moved here, like zero people, which was terrifying at that age. So I'm like, what am I going to do? It's interesting how the world works, though, and the people you meet and the path that you take with jobs, careers, and whatnot. But it was interesting. It was hard to adapt coming from the Bay Area to Dallas. It was a culture shift for sure. Uh, we were talking earlier. I didn't hear yoga pants and sweats to brunch that was frowned upon so little things like that but I mean being here has been wonderful I actually will never go back to the bay I have no desire I like Dallas I like the hustle the bustle the craziness of it it's kind of it's fun like and even growing up in the bay and this is always funny to me here in Dallas I can get an uber in two minutes I live near downtown I go back to the bay and to the community we're from where uber is from and it took me 20 minutes to get an uber I was like I can't do this like, I definitely became, like, a middle-of-the-city kind of girl after after moving here. <laughs> so I think that that's really interesting that you came from California, which is, like, a dream state. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and you find your, and you found yourself really finding, like, a home here. And I definitely relate to that, you know, I'm a military brat. I was born in Hawaii and kind of skipped around from there. And I've always felt like, Dallas was like this kind of black hole that kept sucking me back and I was very surprised when I decided to start a business here and once when I did that's when I really felt like this is my home I finally found people that are going to support me and love me and I I love this city so I want to know why you decided to start your business in this city um, I was just here. I was. I kind of grew up here. My 20s were here, and I didn't think I was going anywhere else. I don't know if this is home forever for me. I really love the ocean, but I just decided that if I wanted to get out of the same rut that I was in, that I was going to have to do it, and I just kind of happened to be here. Like, it wasn't planned or anything. Never anticipated on being a business owner when I moved. I mean, it wasn't on my radar whatsoever, so it just kind of organically happened this way. Well, how has it been? Like, have you felt like you been supported as a business owner here in Dallas what has been your experience overall it's been a, it's been a good experience I've met amazing people and it's funny you like meet someone who introduces you to somebody else and then you realize you're closer to that somebody else than you were the person that introduced you we mentioned before before we started the show I just kind of like there's this air that sometimes Dallas puts on and I don't think it represents what most of us are it's kind of this weird 
I almost am better than you kind of a thing. Yeah. It's just, it's weird. And I don't, I don't like that. Like I'm not, I don't go out and raise money. I don't raise capital. And I think what's interesting is most people's inter like what they assume business owners do is that they're out there and they're like making these millions of dollars. But you know, I don't know if you've heard this phrase when I first moved here and, um, uptown is an area for those of you listening, you'd go to uptown and be like, Oh, you're going to meet the next $40,000 millionaire. And I kind of think actually not kind of, I do believe that translated into these like millennial business groups. And some people are incredibly successful and I'm not discounting that hard work, but I think that is the minority. That's not the majority. And then there's the rest of us out there just hustling our butts off to make it happen. And like, that's the group of people we're dealing with. And you find smaller groups in Dallas that you, that you identify with and like you get to know them. And like, that's how you find your niche. Like that's how, you know, you and I met and like that kind of a vibe. But overall, Dallas is a very interesting place to start a business. I mean, the tax benefits are great with the state though. And I think that's like a huge perk. I think that's why you see so many people moving here and like starting businesses because it's very tax friendly. But when it comes to the like networking part of it, you're in for a, you're in for a treat. You're in for a treat if you decide to start a business here. The forty thousand dollar millionaire. It's so, it's so funny. spot on. It is. It's so, it's spot so on. funny. It's crazy. I think about Startup Week. I don't know of any other city that does start, except for like Austin with South by Southwest right. or something. But and I, they've already been in business for quite some time to I get know, to that point. I know. But Startup Week, I think that that's like a relatively new thing here in Dallas, but it literally gives me anxiety when it comes around because it feels like if your business isn't featured during that week or if you're not on WFAA or anything like that, then like you're losing, like you're not doing well. How did you get over that hump and still push forward with your business and still know that you're a legit business owner? I've never been to startup week because you're right. I agree. It stresses me the heck out. You have to put your blinders on. Um, comparison is a very evil thing. And when you start comparing yourself as a business owner to like other people, you're going to get in that trap. And like, I don't give a crap like what people think of me for the most part. I really don't. It's weird. I care what my friends think of me, but like people I don't know, I don't care. And you just put those blinders on. You're like, this is what I have to offer. And you have to know that you thought out your plan and that you believe in it. And that's all that matters. Think about like this. Think about the girl who started Spanx. Have you ever listened to that podcast? I love her. I'm obsessed with her. I do too. I love her. But think about it. Like everyone said that she was absolutely insane. There was no startup week. There was nothing. She like went to these manufacturers and put in the work and people are like, you're never, ever going to sell these women's hose things like you're out of your mind girl got that stuff in Neiman's and is I think what she's the wealthiest woman in she's definitely a billionaire she ranks somewhere I don't remember what the ranking is but she's incredibly successful so I think it's putting the blinders on doing what you believe in and making yourself uncomfortable and then like you see that success eventually you know work out for you it doesn't happen overnight either I mean it took her years Okay, so I kind of want to talk about what you were speaking on a little bit earlier, which is millennial groups. Mm -hmm. Now, you're a millennial, correct? I am. Me too. I know, especially here in Dallas, um, millennial business groups, they kind of feel like spring break, but like with a little bit of strategy sprinkled here and there. So how did you find your tribe amongst all of that because I know that that's something that I struggle with like mm -hmm. I love people my age and there's nothing wrong with partying at all no there's a time and place for that for sure 
But I take myself very seriously as a business owner. And I found that when it comes to networking and things like that, I'm, I tend to be drawn more to like the Gen X people or even boomers. You know, It's a lot of how you were raised. I grew up in, I mean, I have a brother, but like for the most part, we asso- always associated with people that were older than us. And for me, it's, they're more easily relatable. Like, I, like again, like my parents couldn't pay for me to go to, you know, crazy college in a way and like spring break trips and like all this stuff. And I'm incredibly grateful for, for that looking back on it. But I think it's a lot of how we were raised. And like, I don't really relate with some millennials either. But then I started to think about it. You're right. The ones that I think I have more of like a disconnect with are the ones that are like bordering millennial and whatever the other one's called. Because I, I can't think remember. it's Gen Z. Gen Z. Okay. I'm like, I don't even know. Um, where they grew up, they had all these crazy computers. They grew up with cell phones. Like, I mean, being a millennial, people forget. Like, we didn't have cell phones like when we were super little. I mean, I, don't, I think I got one in eighth grade because like, or high school because my neighbor kept leaving me at campus and then I couldn't get home. But other than that, like there was no reason for me to like have a cell phone. The computers were DOS based when I started using a computer. Like it wasn't where we had access to all this technology. All of my reports were still done via the encyclopedia and like four book sources and all of these things. So it's interesting. Yeah, I just can't relate. And I think part of it is too is there's a sense of entitlement that the world has put on a lot of people and they buy into that YouTube influencers and I don't quite understand again I think it's kind of the way we were raised just maybe a little bit different and that I just had to like my mom was basically like you have to adult and like grow up they give a personal touch to products Mm -hmm. and services I think it's so great because it's like Yelp on steroids a little bit. Yeah. And in that, you know, hey, like that's a normal girl just like me. And she's tried this product and it's worked for her or something like that. Um, but I feel like influencer culture is kind of getting out of control. There's not really any regulation on it. There's not any way to really see um, the ROIs with that. However, everyone almost everyone expects you to be an influencer as a business owner nowadays. So how do you grapple with that? Do you take parts of it that works for you? Like, how do you do it? I've never really understood the influencer craze. I kind of think it's it's just been hyped up. And a lot of actually influencers don't make money. I read an article the other day and it said the people that are actually influencers, they've got tons of followers, but they don't understand how business works, which I thought was interesting. There are the few that have been very successful. Um, but I just, I don't associate with that very much. I do my videos. I love to do live videos and like just be on film and explain things and talk to people where I think influencers are like unattainable. Do you watch black mirror by any chance? Any of my people out there? I've I've heard of Black Mirror. Okay. So there's an episode. I think this is, uh, I'm going to bring it full circle. Every episode is its own little like mini movie. And there was one specifically on like influencers and like very kind of futuristic, but not really that far off when he thought about it. We live in a world where we're always like rating people. We're judging them based on like how they act or like looking at their profiles And it's kind of scary to do that. If we keep like living in this world where we just assume people are what they are online, it can be incredibly dangerous. So I think like taking a step back from that. But this episode really like heavily was on like how many points did you have? What was your score? 
equating that to like how many followers do you have? How many likes did you get on this photo? And when you get wrapped up in that, it's incredibly damaging for your health. Like it's damaging for your mental and emotional health. And I think that we're going to start to see a downturn as like time goes on. It's going to like hit a peak. And I think we're almost there before it kind of shatters with the changes that are happening on these platforms. Touching on what we've been talking about. So um, how do you feel like business will look like for people that aren't really into celebritizing themselves in their work or aren't really into being an influencer and a business owner. How do you feel like that will look, especially in the very technologically savvy age? Yeah. So I think you can still be online and not be an influencer. If you have a really good understanding of like what your target market is, your niches, you're going to attract those types of people. Um, a million people can follow Kim Kardashian and like really, but they can't relate to her as a business owner. I encourage you to be online. I encourage you to have a social, like a, a, some sort of social following, but I think you have to identify with people and through Facebook ads and the technologies that are accessible to you, you need to go after like your tribe and you can still do that without being an influencer or like celebritizing yourself. Like you said, I mean, you can just be the authentic you and people that are drawn to your character and to, um, like your worthiness. Like that's how you're going to grow your business. I always like to end each episode by kind of passing the mic. So I want to know the women here in Dallas that have kind of changed your trajectory here in business. Yeah. So there is a couple, Um, Our friend Krista is definitely one of them. I look up to her like crazy. She is one of my favorite people to be around because she's so positive, so successful. And just she guides you to wherever you need to be. And she doesn't tell you. She just like gets you in the right mindset to go off. Um, The other person that I look up to, she is the one who actually introduced me to Krista. I have, in addition to this business, I've got like some products that I work with. And she got me involved with the product and they kind of set my foundation after I gave up my learning to like move forward. So I would say those are probably the top two. Um, and I wouldn't have one without the other. So they, they work in conjunction with each other. That's awesome. So thank you so much for your time, Ashley. Thank you. Okay, guys, if you liked Ashley's episode, I encourage you to subscribe as well as like, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Everything is at bold babes co. And I will see you guys later. Bye. Millennial women deserve to have their voices heard, which is why we created bold babes radio. Our unique podcast network consists of an engaging lineup of show topics which serve our audience of young women between the ages of 21 and 35. We know what matters to you. From health to pop culture, we have a show for that. Visit us online at www.bullbabes.co to view our full show lineup, listen in, and subscribe.